story of the cross. Hebrews this morning, we're going to be over in Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews chapter 13 today. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 and verse number 7. Now the Bible teaches us here, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith following, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. That's in reference to most likely the furthest back is to the apostles. That's who he's talking about. He's talking about the apostles and their doctrine and their teachings. He's telling to follow them. And then to follow those that followed the apostles, Timothy, Titus, others like them. And then perhaps we may even apply it today in regards to pastors and teachers. So he says to follow them, considering the end of their conversation, the end of their lifestyle and what they've taught and how they've lived and how they've practiced what they've preached. In verse 8 it says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Verse 9, be not carried away about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. So verse 7 deals with those that were faithful teachers. Verse 8 deals with, obviously, the faithful one. And then verse number 9 deals with the faithless ones. So Jesus Christ is sandwiched right in the middle of those. I hope you notice that, right? And there's a comparison contrast that's being made here in our text this morning between those that have stood for the Word of God and those that don't stand for the Word of God. But whether those that stand for God's Word or those that don't stand for God's Word, the focus is always to go back to the one who is God's Word, and that is Jesus Christ the Lord. Going back to Him. Because you see, the apostles, they died. And the false teachers, well, their doctrine is like wind that goes one way and here another way. False teachers' doctrine always changes with the times. It always conforms to the image of the times. That's what false doctrine always does. It always blends into the times. I'm not against quote-unquote new music. But I do think, and I am a little leery sometimes when I hear blended worship. What are we blending to? That would be the question I would ask. What are we moving towards? What are we going after? And then on the flip side, there are those that have been faithful, amen? That have served God with their life and with all their heart and soul. 
And some of us perhaps know some faithful men and women of God that have gone home to be with God. But you know what? Even those men and those women have a time in which they will leave us. And in the midst of all of that, what are we to do? Well, we are to focus our attention on Christ. You see, the epistle of Hebrews is the epistle of better than. Christ is better than. He's better than the law. He's better than Moses. He's better than the tabernacle. He's better than the sacrifices. He's better than the Levitical priesthood. He's better than Abraham. He's better than all of it. Christ is better than. And Christ is better than the false teachers. And dare I even say that Christ is even better than the faithful teachers. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now that is so unusual for us because we are not like that. We are given to change, are we not? In fact, our chemical structure of our bodies demands that we change. We are constantly changing, always changing. If you don't believe that, just go back and look at a picture of yourself 20 years ago, okay? We are always in a state of flux. We are always changing. Our bodies are changing. Our moods are changing. Our lives are changing. And things come into our life that we're not expecting. And things go out of our life that we're not expecting. That is life. That is being a human. But God is not like that at all. God is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. He is everywhere at all times. He knows the end from the beginning. Nothing has ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God. God is never taken by surprise. God is never scratching his head. God never wonders why, because he is the reason why. His will never changes. His structure never changes. His life never changes. His eternity never changes, for he is eternal. In fact, the statement that is before us, where it says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever is the idea of, it's an idiom, really, giving to us of an eternal aspect of God. That He is the same yesterday in eternity past, though that's not the word, I know that. But the idea is that He was the same yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And as far as you want to go back, to the present and until the future, God is the same. He never changes. And that should be a great help for all of us. He's the he is the same no matter if tragedy comes or great blessing comes. If judgment comes or righteousness rains down. If disaster happens or an attack happens or whether or not we are given great riches, health, and a wonderful year. What was true about him with Abraham is true about him now. What is true about Abraham, that he was Abraham's shield and exceeding great reward. So there's no lack in his changing of his immutability at this present moment. 
He is just the same to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to David, to Solomon, to, to, to the prophets, to Isaiah and Jeremiah, to John the Baptist, to Paul, to Silas, to Peter, to John, to all of them. He's just the same to them as he is to us. His actions have not changed. His modus operandi has not changed. His formula has not changed. The way that he does things does not change. The way that he saves does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, he's not like us. We're prone to break our promises. God never does. We're prone to go from one thing to the next. God never does. We don't even know what we want sometimes. I think one of the biggest arguments that some larger, that some families have is, where are we going to eat at tonight? You know, we don't even know what we want. We don't even know where we want to go. But God always remains the same. People change, governments change, jobs change, family change, but God never changes. God never changes. And here we approach this subject with great reverence as I believe it is one of the most sacred doctrines of God. It is called His immutability. His immutability. That comes from the word uh, mutable or mutation. You understand that word mutation means to change, right? And so He is immutable. He is not able to change. He is unchangeable. This is difficult, I believe, for some of us to understand. And with not understanding it, we come up with a false perception of God, that He does change, that perhaps He likes me one minute and perhaps one minute He doesn't. But the, plain, but the Scriptures plainly state us, tell us that He never changes. Changeableness is a character quality many times in us humans. We are given to it. In fact, we are even warned in the Proverbs, it says, don't even meddle with those that are given to change. Over the last his truth have never changed. Never have they changed. His word, he says, Thy word, O Lord, is settled in heaven forever, O Lord. I'm sorry, I missed a word. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God's word does not change, my friend. This is the word of God. It never changes. Some people say, well, man wrote it down. And they kind of changed some things. Well, then you're calling God a liar. Either you believe this is the word of God or you don't. God's holy word never changeth. It's settled in heaven. And if I believe in God that he is strong enough to create the heavens and the earth, I think that I can believe that God is strong enough, powerful enough, wise enough, and has enough knowledge and ways to preserve his word for his people also. If we do not think that God can preserve his word, then what kind of God do we serve? Amen? He is a God that never changes. His word never changes. His word is true today as it was 4,000 years ago. But his mercy never changes. His truth never changes. Psalm 105 says this, For the Lord is good. 
His goodness never changes. It also says His mercy is everlasting. It never quits. In fact, in Psalm 136, it says this, like this. It says that His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. It never quits. It never stops. God is immutable. And then it says, and His truth endureth to all generations. It never quits. It never stops going. His truth just keeps going from one generation to another generation to another generation to another generation. Now sometimes those generations are smaller. And sometimes those generations are larger. But you know what God always has? God always has a remnant. A remnant. And looking out across the crowd, I see today that I believe that most of you, if not all of you, profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know what I'm looking at today? I'm looking at a remnant. I'm looking at people that have believed in Jesus Christ and they believed the promise of God that whosoever would believe upon him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. That was written over almost that was written almost 2000 years ago. Has that promise changed? No. The promise is still to all who will who will Believe, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be, anybody can say it with me, what? Saved. Saved. God's promises doesn't change. His truth doesn't change. In fact, whenever it says in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, do you realize that's not found in, that's not the original place that it's found? That it's actually found about a thousand years before that in Joel's prophecy. You see, God's Word is something that never changes. This is God's Word. This is how God works. His truth endureth to all generations, from one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. A major flaw that happens in some Christian circles is this, is that sometimes we get the impression that the God of the Old Testament was different than the Jesus of the New Testament. When we do that, what happens is that becomes simply detrimental to our faith. It separates God, really, when you logically work it out, it separates God into two gods. A God of the old and a God of the new. But that simply is not the truth, my friend. There is no God of the old and God of the new. In fact, we really sometimes do ourselves an injustice by calling this book a 66 books. And we do maybe sometimes an injustice by calling this two books. Because, my friend, this is not 66 books. This is not even two books. It is not even an old and a new covenant. It is simply one book about one person. And his name is Jesus Christ the Lord. The same yesterday, today and forever. One book about one person. The very first line in this book says, in the beginning, what? God created the heaven and the earth. You know what that first verse is talking about? Who created the heaven and the earth? The Lord Jesus Christ. John 1 tells us that very thing. Tells us that it was Christ that was there in the beginning. Colossians chapter number 1 tells us the exact same thing. That he was, by Him the worlds were made. 
And without Him was not anything made that was made. You see, it's all about Christ, my friend. Everything, it's about Him. It's all about Him. But when we deny that Jesus is the God of the Old Testament, when we somehow set up this tyrannical God over the Old Testament because He made some pretty harsh commands to the children of Israel to destroy those people that were sinning, uh, on, uh, they were sinning immensely, what people often don't realize is this, is that those people that God judged is that God gave them mercy for centuries. He was long-suffering towards them. Over 400 years of mercy. How long has this country been in existence? 200? What's the exact? Anybody know the exact number? 249? Is that right? 249, almost 250 years. We're not, even, we're not even close to the 400 mark. You see, God's mercy is extended, and it's extended, and it's extended, and it's extended, and it's extended. How many of you uh, maybe uh, got an extension on your taxes already? All right? Some of you might have already filed it. You say, man, I'm not even, even going to be ready by April, you know. I am, I am putting that off all the way to, what, October, right? I'm putting that thing off. I'm not going to mess with those things right now. I'm not thinking about that. Uh, you may have gotten an extension on, on being able to uh, apply for a job or be able to uh, take a test. You say, I'm getting a, an extension on that. You know, the IRS will give you some mercy. They'll give you some mercy, and that will allow you to have some extension there. But you know what, my friend? Aren't you glad that God's mercy is longer than six months? And God's mercy is longer than six years? And God's mercy is longer than 60 years and 600 years? God's mercy has even been longer than 6,000 years. For the existence of this world, God could have pushed the kill button at any time, but He hasn't. And He has allowed this world to persist and continue on, even though that it has sinned against Him. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit of God, they never change. The earth will change, as Hebrews 1.12 says, and as a vesture thou shalt fold them up, speaking of the earth, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall never fail. As I said, God's way of salvation never even changes. In Habakkuk chapter number 2 and verse number 4, the Bible says this, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright him in him, but the just shall live by his faith. How do you get saved in the Old Testament? I'll tell you how. Abel tells us how. Hebrews 11.4 By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, and uh, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaking. How did God accept his Gift by faith. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, unless anybody should boast in their own good works. God says, no, it's all through faith. The man Abel, the, the second man from Adam, he was saved for the exact same way that we're saved today, and that is through Faith, through faith. Moses went through the Red Sea by faith. 
Joshua made the walls of Jericho fall down by faith. Gideon defeated the armies by what? Faith. It's faith, my friend. That's what it is. And that's what God required us because it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith. And it takes faith to believe that God is immutable, unchangeable, the same, yesterday, today. Do you see my circumstances? Isn't that where we run to? Isn't that where I run to? I run there. I admit it. But it's just because my circumstances change, does that mean that God changes? When my circumstances change, does, does not God have the same amount of grace and mercy that is offered to us at that time? But do we by faith run to Him for it? Or do we in disbelief and unbelief turn away from that? When I'm being unjustly accused of something, do I by faith believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And do I run to Him and say, you know what, your word is true, you are true, you will stand up for me? Or do I believe, you know what, I've got to defend myself, I've got to say something back, I've got to be the one that is going to, I'm really going to tell them off. Anybody ever done that before? Nobody's done done that before, right? (laughs) By faith. Do we believe, do we trust God that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever? What happens if He does change? You ever thought about that? It'd be like reading Greek mythology, wouldn't it? You would find a God that loved the righteous at one point, and then all of a sudden he changes his mind, and now he loves the wicked. You'd have a God that makes deals with you in order to get on your side, but then he'll break his promises. You have a God that is there for you one moment, and then at another time he is not. And ultimately, we would never be sure of the value of the Savior's blood and our atonement for our sins because it would all depend on what type of mood he was on that particular day. It's kind of like the investigative judgment of the Seventh-day Adventist. It depends on what time of year God comes to you and determines if you're obeying the Sabbath or not. Is that the kind of God we serve that just kind of is overlooking us at certain times? Or is He an overseer at all times? No, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I go further and say if He was given to change, how would we know how to act? We would not just know how he was going to act, but how would we know how to act? How would we know what to do? How would we know how to respond? How would we know how to live out our lives or obey his commandments? Would he forsake us if we did it right? Or would he forsake us if we did it wrong? We would never know. But Psalms 90 in verse number 2 assures us that that is not the case. For the Bible says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from Everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. He means return back to the ground. 
become undistinguishable. You're going back there. For a thousand years is in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as I watch in the night. He doesn't change. The unchangeableness of God, the immutability of the Lord Jesus Christ should strike great humility within our hearts. When I was reviewing over this last night and thinking about some things that took place yesterday, I thought, what will happen to me in 100, 150 years from now? Will people even remember me? The ones that care about you the most, your family, they'll remember you. Maybe the next generation will remember you. But will anybody after that remember you? Let alone shed a tear for you? Our lives are so fleeting. They're so, so small in comparison to who God is. God is the same. He never changes. You're not going to get one by on God. The children of Israel thought that they could disobey God and go back to Egypt or go into the promised land without his help. But you know what God did? God said, you know what? I have all the time in the world. You know, I'll just wait 40 years and let all that disobedient generation die, and then I'll take the next generation in. And you and I might be lived to 80, 100 years old. And if we don't obey God, listen to God, do God's will, God can just say, you know what? I can sit back. I can wait. I can wait. I have all the time in the world. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's a humbling thought to think of who God is, how great he is, how he never changes, and how we as people should be wanting to obey and listen and follow and take hold of this one that never changes, that is always the same. We're always looking for things in life that never change. And most, uh, most of us, when as we grow older, we don't even like change. We don't want change. Change disrupts our schedule. If that is the case, why don't we flee to the one that never changes? God Almighty. Find solace, find rest, find hope, find mercy, find grace in Him because His grace never ends. It's unending. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generation. His word never quits. His, his, his long-suffering never stops, my friend. We are prone to this change. We are prone to others. I was reading about one man that was seeking a divorce from his wife. He kept telling the preacher, this is the worst time of my life. He said, the preacher said, he didn't say anything. 
He said, preacher, you don't understand. It's the worst time of my life. I need a divorce. He didn't say anything. He said, preacher, have you not heard me? I am telling you this is the worst time of my life. He said, what did you say whenever you got married? He said, what do you mean? He said, did you say for better or for what? Worse? <laughs> you see, the thing about it is, is that we're given to that. We're given in to change. We want to change. We want something new. We want to be a part of something that's better. Oh, I wish I lived in a better America. I wish I, lived on, I, wish I was on a better team. I wish I was in a better marriage. I wish I had a better job. I wish all of these things. But we always want something better. But my friend, the thing that is the best is staring us right in the face the whole time. And that is God. The best thing for us is the one that never changes. God Almighty. Because His grace never changes. One of the key verses on God's unchangeableness is found in Malachi 3.6. You might know it. It says, For I am the Lord, I change not. And we, a lot of us know that verse, and we know that first part, but we miss the last part, which is the best part. It says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. He's talking to the children of Israel there, and he's telling them, he's saying that I am the Lord. I change not. I made a promise with Abraham thousands of years, uh, thousand years ago, and I promised that I would have a seed through you, and I am not going to hold back on my promise. Some of you are going to perish. Some of you are not listening to me. Some of you are not going to make it. Some of you are going to be judged. There's no doubt about that. But understand, you are not consumed. That means eaten up completely is the idea. As my children grow older, I'm learning more about consumption rates, all right? All right? We don't have leftovers as much anymore, okay? They're not there. Listen, my friend, God does not consume. Amen? God does not take away everything. When Elijah was put out to the wilderness and he was there by the brook Cherith and he was there all by himself, God did not leave him to be consumed. He brought to him food day by day by the ravens and he drank by the brook there every single day. When the brook dried up and the ravens stopped coming, he went and found a widow woman who had one, meal, one, one little bit of meal and a little bit of oil to make her last meal for her and her son and they were going to die because there was a famine in the land. And Elijah said, make me a cake first. And the woman, by faith believed the prophet of God and said, I will do it, she says, and she does it, and the meal and the crucible did not fail until the famine was over, my friend. You see, God will not allow His children to consume away, to fade away, to just have nothing we trust and we believe in the grace and in the promises of God. And if that's a small thing, our food, our raiment, if the sparrows of the field are fed, do not we think that we should be fed? My friend, I, I've, got a, I've got a picture in my office. I found it at a yard sale. It was a little picture of two hand-painted sparrows. 
And I, as, it's as I leave out of the office every single time and I look at that little painting and I think to myself, you know what? Every single time I see that, I think to myself, God will always take care of me. He takes care of sparrows. And I love the verse in Luke. Are you not worth many sparrows? Are you not worth many sparrows? God never changes. His goodness, His grace, it never changes. But it goes deeper than that, doesn't it? Because it's not just the physical, but it's also the spiritual. He tells us in Hebrews 6, 17, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of His counsel. His counsel that is not changeable. It's confirmed in an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled from refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Or you might like it like this in Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Or Titus 1, 2, that we have hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. My friend, his immutability, his unchangeableness, the fact that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever assures our hearts not only that he'll provide for us, that he'll take care of us, that we can run to his throne of mercy and grace to find help in time of need, but also the fact that we are eternally secure in the Savior, my friend. That he is the same. That he doesn't change. That he doesn't change with the whims of time but that His blood is the same and that we have hope and eternal life, that God is in the immutability of His... Try saying that word when you're up here, all right? Uh, immutability of His counsel. It is unchangeable. It never stops. We have hope for the refuge that's in front of us to run towards, to go towards, that is never going to quit. It's never going to stop. Even in the end... When God destroys the unbelieving upon the face of the earth and what is called, the Bible says, the great tribulation, all right? Do you know what? Out even of that, in Revelation, the scriptures teach that there will come a remnant out of even that great tribulation. You see, God's truth endures from generation to generation. And it doesn't matter if you're in a small trial or if one day you have to go through a great tribulation, God never changes. God never changes. Don't let the devil get on your little shoulder and try to whisper in your ear, God doesn't really love you. He wouldn't be going through that if he did. God doesn't really care about you. He doesn't really hear your prayers. It's kind of worthless to pray to him. Now, my friend, he's the same. The very day that you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, and all the love and mercy and grace and joy and all the rest of it that poured out to you on that day is still accessible and available today. You say, you don't know what I've done. I've turned my back on him. I've done this. I've done that. And, and you just don't understand what, what's, what I've been through and all this. Listen, I'm telling you right now to either believe God 
or believe your own self or believe the devil. Jesus Christ. Who I think I've been very obvious up to this point who I haven't said this clearly but I'll say it just plainly. Jesus Christ is God because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Only God is immutable. Only God is forever good. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. His goodness, his grace, it never ends. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is not variable. His goodness is not here one moment and then gone the next. He's always good and he's always the same and he never changes. No matter what happens in our life, good, bad, or ugly, God is to be trusted that he is always the same. And he offers to us the same grace and mercy and long-suffering that he offered to us when we were saved. And 50 years later, after we're saved, the same gifts are accessible and offered to his children. And if the faithless come on the scene and preach the ungodly doctrines that they do and lead away some here and there, or if the faithful few that preach God's word and they go home to be with God, Listen, we need not to be discouraged. We need not to worry. Though father and mother forsake me, the Lord, he will never forsake me. Though I suffer much, though I go through difficult times, God remains the same. He is the constant. He is the one that we always look to. He is true north. The Bible says in, in James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. It's been said by many a preacher it's not that God moved, but it's like sailors pulling a ship towards the shore. It seems like the shore is coming to them, but they're really the ones going to the shore. The shore is immutable, and my friend, God is immutable. His place never changes. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. God hasn't moved. You've moved. You've moved. I've moved. Let us draw back to our unchangeable God. Father, we're thankful for